you're never going to be 100% ready. You're, you're never going to know everything. And you can actually really handicap yourself financially if you try to wait until you know everything. So research as much as you can. Have a pretty good working knowledge on the subject. But lean on the experts. Communicate with the experts and run your analyses. But don't overestimate how much you know. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Adulting 101 with Caspi Bias. I'm your host, Caspi Bias. In our last episode, we started to go into tips and tricks needed as far as how to buy a house. Buying a property of your own can be very exciting and scary. So my guest and I are going to continue to tell you the process that you'll need to take in order to obtain the best home for you. Joining me in today's conversation again is Brendan Mitchum a real estate agent located in Georgia. Brendan is a marine scientist turned real estate agent and investor. He is also a partial owner of nine mobile home parks in the Midwest. If you haven't already, check out the new Adulting 101 with Caspi Bias animated series. There, you can review a few captivating moments from each episode in animated form. Check out the show notes for a link to the series. Let's continue our conversation. So we went over getting started, lender approval, realtor. We went over the pre-approval process. We went over searching for a house. The next step is actually looking at a house in person. What would be some things that you would suggest young professionals actually look into? Like I know definitely need to pay attention and ask about like a water heater, try to find out about the roof if the roof is too old or whatever, and whether or not the seller is even considering adjusting costs in order to help you get that replaced. Unless you yourself knows exactly what you're looking for, unless you know how, like what a new roof looks like, what a roof that needs repairs look like, what foundation issues look like, how much it costs to fix these things. In a buyer's market, yeah, go out there, check it out, determine what you're going to offer, negotiate before putting an offer in even. It doesn't mean like you're taking more risks because you can get stuff under contract with a due diligence period that allows you, in most states, they all have inspection periods. So you can back out for certain reasons. Some states is specifically inspection related. Other states like Georgia, you have a general due diligence period and you can back out for any reason at all. So if you go out there and you don't like the shape of the lawn, you can back out. You really have that flexibility. Now, you don't want to be coming in and offering like way above what you possibly imagine to pay for it. Definitely want to offer what you expect to pay. You had mentioned you can back out at any time. Let's say that a buyer says, okay, so I want to go ahead and invest in this particular property. I want to move forward as far as the steps on actually buying the house. How many days do they get where they're actually allowed to say, okay, I don't want this house anymore. I changed my mind. It really depends. So there's a bunch of pieces to the contract and all these pieces fit together a certain way. Each one can be adjusted to make your offer more or less competitive. This is something your agent's going to have a really good grasp on based on your market. 
And ideally, if they know about the competition involved, sometimes they won't. Some listing agents, they won't give you anything and you're coming in blind and you kind of just have to rely on your experience. But they will give you their advice on how you should change these terms. It's really going to be mostly your responsibility when it comes to the price. It's sort of based on like what you as an investor can offer. But there's all these other terms like the due diligence period, like the earnest money. If you have an appraisal, there's an appraisal contingency. The closing date, those are all negotiable. You can change those a certain amount depending on you and what the seller wants. But the due diligence period specifically, before COVID, I would say the average was seven days due diligence. And so that means you have seven days to back out for any reason at all after you're under contract. And then uh, earnest money is basically the amount of money that you put in or that you're willing to give a seller that you're giving to your realtor to let the seller know, oh, hey, I'm serious about buying this particular property. You can get that amount of money back if you decide not to move forward with the property within a due diligence period. After that, you want to be able to get that money unless I know there's something as far as like appraisal, there's like a certain type of time frame as well with that, that if you're still good with a uh, trying to invest in a property and you can't quite negotiate as far as appraisal or the lender that you're working with, they're saying like, oh, so you have to lower the amount. We're not willing to give you X amount for a particular house because the value isn't as much as we had anticipated. So you can get it back within that due diligence period. Just check with your agent. They'll let you know what the different deadlines are and how you can get your earnest money back. And at what points you no longer can, for what reasons. It'll be contract specific and loan specific. Got it. Got it. I know there's certain percentages too that you'd be able to put down as far as that earnest money. I know with me previously, I put down like two, three percent. But again, talk with your realtor as far as just finding out what will be best as far as showing the seller how serious you are about a particular property. The seller agrees to start that due diligence period of basically making sure you actually want to move forward with the property. You had mentioned like inspectors, making sure that they come in. They're definitely important as far as further determining whether or not you want to invest on a property. Um, I remember one property that I had looked at where, again, paying attention to those essential points. The roof is definitely a main thing you want to pay attention to. Before, I didn't really know how important it was as far as looking into a roof and how much that would impact the purchase of a house. Through the due diligence period, I was able to bring in an inspector through that period of time. I walked around with him and he showed me the things that were not so good with the house, things that needed to be improved with throughout the house. I remember my dad, before I went to this property, he was like, how old is the roof? And I was like... Why is that important? And I finally got the number on it. It was 22 years. I was like, it's, it's 22 years. So my dad was like, yeah, you need to see if you can negotiate on that. Like that's, they need to do something with that. I got confirmation on that through the inspector that came in. So he had also looked at the property and he looked at the roof and he came down from the roof and he told me, yeah, so I have some bad news. So I was like, oh, that's great. And he had said, yeah, so this roof should have been replaced. I don't remember. He said like 10 years ago, give or take. 
they would buy the property and then find out not only does the roof need to be replaced, everything underneath it needs to get replaced as well, which costs even more money. So it's definitely helpful during that due diligence process to bring in an inspector, invest in a quality inspector to help you walk through that process. It's, it's great to walk with them as well, just so that you're able to hear head on what exactly they're seeing rather than later on getting a long list and you will get a long list. So don't be intimidated by that. But as far as the overall a long list, as far as things that could be improved within the property. You'll probably have to do follow-up inspections. Like the inspector is not going to tell you this roof needs to be replaced and this is how much it's going to cost. They might tell you that they're unsure and you know you need to have it inspected by a qualified roofing inspector or roofer. Same with plumbing. Replacing cast iron plumbing throughout a house could cost $10,000 plus just like a roof could cost $10,000 plus. So the big ticket things, don't be afraid to get follow-up inspections done. If it looks a little dicey, um, as soon as I see cast iron, I have it scoped. If there's cast iron inside the house, I just re- recommend it's replaced. But remember, there's a line that goes from the house to the street that you cannot see. Chances are it's cast iron if the home's old, over a certain age and they've never replaced it before. And you can probably see that it's cast iron from where it comes into the home. So even if they've replaced everything in the home with PVC... There could be cast iron right at, it might be in the crawl space or the basement or whatever, but there might be cast iron right where it goes into the ground. And I would have that inspected by a plumber. You might have to have follow-up inspections. And if you don't have enough due diligence period, you either drop or you negotiate more due diligence for those inspections. Or, you know, you I wouldn't say take the risk and close on the property, but maybe you get those inspections done while your earnest money has already gone hard. And then if it's costly enough, you can still drop the property and you just lose that earnest money. At the end of the day, don't close on a property just because you have earnest money in it. If you learn there's going to be some costly repairs, don't ignore those. We've closed on a property that had a brand new roof. I had to end up replacing it for like $14,000 because they put the brand new roof on top of a really old failing roof without taking the old decking off. So. Just listen to that inspector, but if they have a million items, like you said, Caspi, don't worry about that. In most houses, there's going to be a million items. Just worry about the big ones. My realtor was like, let's just focus on the big things, like the roof. That was definitely something. Termites, definitely paying attention to if there were anything that was active necessarily with that. Just big things. And the realtor will outline those things for you and discuss as far as what the best way would be as far as negotiating. You're never going to be 100% ready. You're, you're never going to know everything. And you can actually really handicap yourself financially if you try to wait until you know everything. So research as much as you can. Have a pretty good working knowledge on the subject. But lean on the experts. Don't think you know more than you do. Like That can be just as dangerous as not knowing anything. Thinking you know more than you do. So just make sure that you do enough research to be able to communicate with experts and run your analyses, but don't overestimate how much you know. And speaking of things, when it comes to things that you see within the house, what are the top priority things that you would say that you should be looking at when touring a house in person? What are some signs that you see something and you're like, oh crap, nope, I don't like this. And you just walk away from a property. Deal breakers are completely specific to the buyer. 
I know people who will see foundation issues of any kind and run the other direction. I know people who are totally fine with foundation issues. What is a foundation issue for listeners who don't know what that is? Yeah. So the foundation is, is what the home sits on. You might be able to see, it might be like the concrete you can see from the outside that's right below the vinyl or brick siding of the house. It's what you see when you go into the crawl space and you look around. So foundation issues is like essentially saying that the base of the home is not sound. A lot of my clients, it's more based on total costs involved. So maybe they have to fix the foundation and the roof, but they don't really have to do anything else. So their total costs are actually lower than they expected. And they're really happy to move forward on the property. But maybe you're a home buyer who absolutely needs three baths and you thought the home was a three bath based on the listing, but you go out there and it's two and a half bath. They round it up and you don't want to put the money into adding a shower. So you're like, that's a deal breaker. I'm out. It really just absolutely depends on you. And I wouldn't even put too much pressure on yourself to like find these issues. At the end of the day, rely on your professionals. Make sure your specter gets out there on time and gets the report back in time. Make sure your contractor gets out there to give you the estimates. Don't just rely on yourself to find everything and know how much it's going to cost unless you have that experience. And, you know, personally, that experience for me has come with walking through properties over and over again with contractors. So don't be afraid to kind of learn by doing in the beginning. You know, lean on your professionals. Yes, I know that with my realtor, she's definitely been helpful as far as us walking through a property and her pointing out, it looks like something's up with this. Or you can tell just by looking at the lighting within a particular room, let's say the light bulb or basically how it's fastened into the wall, it just looks weird. And you can tell that somebody just came in here and just fixed up the house only to sell it. We went to see this one property, for example, and she had mentioned like, oh, so you see there's like a whole bunch of cracks where this brick is like on the side of the house. Yes, that's not good. And really make sure you get down to the cost too, right? Because something that looks bad can be fairly inexpensive to fix, whereas something that doesn't look like a big deal could cost you thousands. So it's really important to figure out the costs on the front end rather than just assume it'll be this costly or that costly. Do you have any examples of that? So foundations, you know, you never really know. Me personally, I could go out to a house and see a, a crack in the foundation and have no idea what's causing it, how much it's going to cost to fix it. You know, and it could cost thousands because the ground is actually settling or because the foundation wasn't poured correctly and you could have to do significant work to adding structural support to the home or it could be fairly cheap maybe one corner of the house the gutters have been overflowing for a long time and they've been eroding the ground right there in the corner so slowly the house has sunk down on that corner and that's caused a large stair step crack that could look really really scary but maybe if you fill that crack in get the erosion problem addressed. You know, none of those things are terribly expensive. You could fix what looked like a really, really costly issue with very little investment. So we've went through getting started, pre-approval. We've searched for a house. We actually looked at the house in person. 
We went through the due diligence process. And now you're at the point where you're like, okay, so I've looked through everything. The inspector said it's decent, not good, but decent. So now it's your next step, which is negotiating. What, Brendan, would you say are examples as far as how the negotiation process would go when you're talking with your realtor to send that information over to the seller? Yeah, so it's definitely important to you know, like understand negotiating and understand like what your terms are and what you expect to get. You want to know like, okay, will I move forward with this deal if they don't give me anything? Or like, what's the minimum concession I need in order to move forward? You want to have those already lined up. You don't want to just be negotiating because you're you're prideful and you want to negotiate, right? That's a lot of home buyers. Um, tend to do that when in reality, like you need to have your goals set and understand why you're negotiating. So doing that on the front end will help your realtor because at the end of the day, they're actually negotiating for you. Negotiate with like an end in mind. And so like one thing I do is um, I always, I always, always ask for something else if I'm agreeing to them. So if we ask for $5,000 um, closing costs. And they say, no, you can have 2,500. As long as my buyer's cool with that, I'll say, okay, we'll take 2,500, but you need to include the washer and dryer as well. Um, and typically they'll do it because they're just happy that you're conceding. Would you be able to explain a little bit more as far as what closing costs are for our listeners? It's really good to know on the front end what your closing costs are going to be because these can really surprise you, right? So if you're closing with a lender with a loan, you're going to have a certain amount of closing costs, maybe 2 3% that's going to be due at closing on top of your down payment. So while you think you only need 3% down, it's actually going to be like 5% down because you have to pay the lender a certain number of points for what they're going to do for their underwriting. This is how they get paid, really. You're going to have a certain amount of closing costs for the closing attorney too. These are typically a lot lower you're talking maybe a percent or less. So understanding on the front end what your closing costs are going to be is really, really important so that you come to the closing table and you think it's going to be 20000 down and it's 28000 down. You want to make sure that doesn't happen. And your realtor can help you with that. Your lender can help you with that. So just make sure you're asking about closing costs. How would you determine what to offer a seller price-wise after looking at a particular property? It's absolutely going to depend on the buyer, right? If the buyer is just a typical home buyer and they absolutely love the house, I mean, you're just going to offer whatever you need to to get the property. If the realtor tells you, you know, I'm pretty sure it's going to go for this amount and you need to offer this or more if we're going to get the property, that's what you do if you want that house bad enough. Again, not a wise financial decision there. We offer based on my guesstimate from looking at photos on what it's going to cost to fix up the property. So we put an offer based on that, based on how much potential repairs, maintenance, vacancy. And many will ask me, they'll say, what do you think we should offer here? And I'll say, well, I don't think we should offer more than your numbers say, but I think it'll probably sell for this much. Really, negotiations typically don't even start until after that. The first time we usually see negotiations is if the seller likes our offer, but maybe there's like one thing they want to tweak before they move forward with us. Yes. And I especially like your points previously, how you're saying if you wanted to go ahead and actually move forward with house hacking, how much rent would go for 
within the particular neighborhood. I feel like those points are definitely important when considering overall cash flow compared to how much you are going to be investing within a particular property. So basically, when it comes to negotiating, bigger pockets is very much helpful as far as providing you with tips and advice when it comes to house hacking and investing on a property. They have multiple resources when it comes to investing in real estate, including helpful videos underneath resources where you're able to actually listen to experts and they provide you different types of tips and advice on such things as negotiating on a particular property. I've also, because I need to practice as far as negotiating in general, in general, and I know that that's definitely helpful when you're doing that when looking into a particular house. So we're getting near that ending or that final step as far as purchasing a house. Now, I personally haven't been at this step or I haven't been past due diligence. Would you be able to explain, Brandon, what specifically happens after due diligence, what the final steps are as far as purchasing a property? Hello, everyone. Did you enjoy today's conversation? Well, stay tuned for part three starting next week. I'd like to hear from you all as we continue with season three. What do you want to chat about? Who do you want me to bring onto the show? Feel free to reach out at caspielbias at gmail.com. Adulting 101 with Caspi Bias is a production of C Bias Productions, LLC. For more episodes of Adulting 101 with Caspi Bias, visit Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.